Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Today, I want to introduce you to Fred Hill, the co-founder of Ronald McDonald House. Now, Fred was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles in the early 1970s, and his three-year-old daughter, Kim, was diagnosed with acute lymphatic leukemia. Not only did the owner, general manager, and players of the Eagles rally around their family, but they rallied around the entire cause. In this interview, Fred tells all about how it happens, and you're going to love every minute of this inspiring story. Now, at the time of this recording, there are more than 365 Ronald McDonald houses throughout the United States and world with local chapters in 64 countries and regions. All operate under licensing guidelines from Ronald McDonald House Charities, but each Ronald McDonald House is independently operated. Fred and his wife now operate several McDonald's restaurants, and they are actively involved in the Ronald McDonald House in Orange, California. We met up with Fred and his wife, Fran, at that home, which is extraordinary, and we were privileged to hear the entire story about how this amazing charity came into being. Let's jump into my conversation with Fred Hill. Fred, thank you so much for taking time to hang with us today. Now, this is great, and I'm glad we're doing it right here at the Ronald House. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing structure. I've driven by it. I've never been in a Ronald McDonald house. I'm blown away. You know what? Uh, the only problem with this house is too small. It's only 20 bedrooms, and they need a lot more. So we have a capital campaign that uh, we're going to go to another 24 bedrooms. So we just got to raise the money. That is great. Well, um, so people have heard about Ronald McDonald houses, and maybe they've seen the place to deposit money at a McDonald's, or maybe they've seen a sign that the McDonald's you know supports the homes. But a lot of people, I don't think, know the actual story of how the homes came into existence. So take us back to the late 60s, early 70s, when you were playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. What happened to your daughter, Kim? Yeah, you know, we, I went to the University of Southern California and was drafted by the Eagles, and that was 1965. And everything was going well, and, you know, we were young, and it was a great experience. Uh, we moved into New Jersey, which is right over the bridge uh, to the stadium in Philadelphia. And um, I was in uh, my fourth year, and I was playing behind Mike Ditka. And uh, I had a good season, though, and they traded him away. So they traded him away in 68. So 69, I was going to be their tight end. And I was so excited. And in the fifth preseason game, I ripped out my knee. And that was 1969. And I went home. And my wife said that Kim's in the hospital, and she was there. She was in isolation, and they diagnosed her with acute lymphatic leukemia, and they only gave her a few months to live. So all of a sudden, I have a cast all the way up to the top of my leg, and they said my daughter was going to die. And so we were just devastated, and we were 3,000 miles away from home. Mm. So... Uh, it was at Cooper's Hospital that they diagnosed her, and no one could go see her. My wife wouldn't leave, so they put a little cot by the bed. And she was there for a few days, and then they transferred her to St. Christopher's Hospital in Philadelphia. And then the chemotherapy started 
for three and a half years. Wow. So it, it, we were devastated, and it was very, very hard, especially on my wife, because I was getting treatment. And then after that, you know, I was back playing again the next year. And so she had to go every single day and drive to the hospital for all kinds of tests. And um, uh, they were hard tests, you know, bone marrow tests, spinal taps, and then injections every single day with chemotherapy. So very difficult time in our life. So tell me, how did the team rally around you during this time? Well, they heard about Kim because the diagnosis was 1969. And we used to take her to training camp all the time. And she was a really cute three-year-old. And she was a type that would hug anybody. And these guys would come off the practice field all sweaty and everything. And she would just jump in their arms and give them a big hug and kiss. So, so when they found out that she was sick, it, you, you know, they could all feel it. And then we got a new owner. And his name was Leonard Tose. And he called me into the office and said, Fred, I know you're going through a horrible thing here. I will do whatever I can to help your daughter. So if she needs to be transferred anyplace, I'll pay for it all. But if you want to go back home, I'll try to work out a trade with the Los Angeles Rams. But we thought we were getting really good treatment there. And we, we didn't want to move. We owned a house in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So we decided to stay in Philadelphia. But um, that's, they kind of all rallied behind her. And uh, they were really supportive. But later on, uh, I'll tell you how supportive they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, help me understand, because I know that a fundraiser came to, to being. Uh, is that fundraiser that was initiated out of her, her uh, need for care? You, you know, my wife has always tried to help with charities ever since she was in high school. We've been together, by the way, since we were six years old. And so all through high school, she belonged to Charity League, and she was always doing And she always wanted to do something. We just didn't know how. But we were going through such a tragedy. All we tried to do, so we're talking 69, we got the diagnosis. So 69, 70, 71, we're just trying to survive every single day. And I have two other children that were younger. So Fran is dragging the other two to the hospital with Kim. And Kim was really strong, though. But when she got a bone marrow or a spinal tap, she would just start screaming. Mm. So so it was really, really hard on my wife. And I tried to help out as much as I could. And we did a couple little fundraisers, nothing big. You know, one was just a few hundred dollars. And then one time this bartender said, hey, can you get a couple Eagle players and we'll give you a part of the tab for an hour if you could bring them down and all the free beer you want. Well, I don't drink beer, but it was easy to find a couple of ballplayers that did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I took them and we raised a few hundred dollars and we gave it to the hospital. But we never came up with anything really big until 1972. Okay. And in 1972, uh, one of the players' wives went to buy a fur coat in Haddonfield, New Jersey. And her name was Diane Skaggs, and she stayed with Fran in the off-season. Now, I retired in 71, so I'm no longer with the team. And why did you retire? Because my back was killing me. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I was injured a lot, and it, I played seven years the last game to be played at Yankee Stadium. And the coach were riding over there. And we had an interim coach. His name was Ed Kayak. And I actually played with him. 
And so I went up to Eddie on the bus. And I said, Coach, this is my last game. Hmm. And I went out there, and I actually started. And I think I caught five or six passes, and I went as hard as I could. But severe back problems. Wow. And I said, that's my last game. I walked off the field and never played again. But Kim... You know, we had already gone through a couple of years of chemotherapy, and I wanted to try to help out more at home, too. So I didn't miss leaving, but mostly because of the injuries. But anyway, th- this lady, you know, Diane, she went to Fran, and they started planning a fashion show. Because there was this lady from the Leukemia Society of America said, Fred, you could really help us. So our first fundraiser was for the Leukemia Society of America. And what we tried to do is get th- this furrier, and uh, he said, if you could get 10 of the Eagle Wives to put on a fashion show f- with my fur coats, okay. his name was Harold Winger, he said, I'll give you a couple thousand dollar fur coat that you can raffle off to your favorite charity. So we're thinking the hospital. Sure. Okay. So anyway, what we did was, we uh, started planning this fashion show. It was mostly the girls and my neighbors. And I had this really good neighbor. His name was Stan Lane. And, and he was a really good businessman and insurance man. And he kind of took over with my wife, Fran, because I wasn't that type. I was kind of shy then and didn't talk at all. And so they started planning this fashion show. And we secured a restaurant in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and Fran said, my wife, she said, why don't you go and ask Leonard Toast? Now, I'm not even with the team now. Right. And the ball players. Well, we knew we could get 10 ball players because their wives were in the fashion sure, show. Sure. But that's all we thought we could get. And we were trying to sell the tickets and we didn't know what we were doing. So I first went to the team and told them what we were doing, but they all knew Kim. So she was the inspiration. And then I went to Leonard Toast. And Leonard Toast says, okay, I'll be there. To our surprise, the entire team and Leonard Toast showed up. Wow. And Leonard was the last one to leave. And he called Fran and I over and said, how much did you raise? We were thrilled. We raised $10,000 for the Leukemia Society of America. And we even had a picture of Eddie Kayat, the head coach, Leonard Toast, and myself putting those quarters in those little coin boards that uh, sure. the Kimmy Society of America Oh, has. sure, yeah, yeah. And, and so my neighbor, Stan Lane, well, anyway, Leonard Toast said, Fred, this was great. This is one of the greatest things I've been into involved in. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you the Eagles. I'm going to give you Vet Stadium. I'm going to give you all the things that I have, all the assets that I have. And I want you guys to come back next year and raised 10 times this amount, wow. which would be over 100000 Right. And, and, and that was seventy two going into seventy three. That was a lot of money back then. A lot of money. So my neighbor, Stan, he said, why don't we drive to New York to the Leukemia Society of America, which is a great charity, and give them the check? And we did, but we really didn't know where the money went to. It goes to a lot of really mm-hmm. good things. You can earmark it for research and this. But on the way back, we were thinking, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could raise 100000 just to give it to our hospital? Hmm. And we're thinking instead of an abstract thing where your money goes, but you're not sure where it went, mm-hmm. that you could actually touch the item that you're purchasing. Hmm. At that time, we weren't thinking about a house or anything. 
So our doctor, his name was Dr. Larry Naiman, and we had been with him for years and years. Uh, we went over to talk to him, and we told him that we might be able to raise over $100,000, and mm. we want to give it to you to buy a piece of equipment or something for your hospital. And that was at St. Christopher's in South Philly. And he said, you know what? The Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is really hurting. They don't have enough money to finish the hematology wing. Hmm. And there's a doctor over there named Dr. Audrey Evans. And I think you should approach her and give the money to Children's Hospital. Hmm. So Stan and I, we went to see Dr. Evans. She was the head of hematology at Children's Hospital. And what a sweet lady. And she didn't know anything about the Eagles back then. And so we told her that we could possibly raise over 100000 and we would like to give it to you. So she made up a list for us. Okay. And on the list was to finish the hematology wing at a million dollars. Oh, my. And then there was a lab that she could use in an isolation ward. And down at the bottom of her list... She said, we need a house close by where the parents can stay. They have no place to stay here. Some of them come 100 miles away, mm. and there's just big hotels there. They can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So I'd really like to have a little house close by. And when I told Fran this, she could really relate to that because she was sitting on a cot at, you know, next to Kim, and she wouldn't leave. And um, it just made sense. Mm. But then we went back to Leonard Toast, after talking to the wives and Stan Lane, we came up with all these ideas. One was, okay, we'll have a fashion show this time, but we'll have it at the stadium. Okay. In his suite. And it was a brand new stadium. I think it was, it, it was built in 70. And in the suite, you can see the scoreboard and the, and the entire field. So we wanted a radiothon. And we wanted every ball player. Back then, you only had 40 on a team. So we wanted every ball player to have a phone. We called them bird calls. And so each ball player, any little kid could call up, like Roman Gabriel. Uh, a lot of people here, he played with the Rams for a long time. They knew him. Or any of their favorite players and actually talk to him and give a donation. And as the money came in, it would be posted on the scoreboard. That's great. And then everybody wanted to help us in Philadelphia. So then we told Leonard Toast, that Sunday we'd like to pass the hat at the football game. And, and so we told him all the things that we wanted to do. And he looked at the list and everything. He said, hey, let's do the whole thing. Wow. And people said, well, I don't think you can pass the hat at the game just like at church. And he said, hey, we're going to do the whole thing. He said, I'll sell these tickets. You know, because we were thinking we sold the other tickets at $25 a piece. He started calling up Mrs. Firestone, all of his friends, and said, hey, you got to buy this ticket. I'm doing a good thing. And he, he demanded it, and he sold all the tickets. Wow. And he got Jim Murray involved, who was the regional manager at the time. Not regional manager. He was like the, uh, the manager of the football team. And so we were waiting to have this thing happen. And we even had three fur coats for the guys. So we had three of the football players model these fur coats. And so we had this big function at the stadium, and it turned out to be a great success. We raised $100,000. And then that Sunday was the game. So how are we going to pass this hat? Right, right. So we got all the Eagleettes, and Jim Murray planned this. And we got the Eagleettes all in the stadium, around the stadium, in their green and white. And then we had a big trash can at the end of the aisle. Then we had these small canisters 
And we made a mistake with these canisters because we thought they might throw hot dogs and everything else in there. Oh, so yeah. Because the Philly fans are great, but they're kind of <laughs> rugged. We, we put like a slit on the top and sure. put a lid. And so we were waiting for a big play, and we finally got a big play. I think Ben Hawkins, our wide receiver, caught about a 50-yard pass. So they said, pass the hat. So it was just like at church. We passed it down one aisle all the way to the end. Sure. And then we took it and dumped it in the big trash can, put it back on, passed it down the next row through the entire stadium. In 10 minutes, we got $25,000. Wow. But where we made a mistake was that stupid lid. Because we went down to the basement of Vet Stadium, and they started dumping the money out from the trash cans, and it was a foot high on the on the floor. Oh, man. But it was all dollars and $5, and and every one had to be crumpled up. And you had to, <laughs> to crumple it, it up there. to get through that little slot. So here we probably have 20,000 bills. And it was funny because Continental Bank wanted to help us out, so they brought five coin changers. We had no coins. It was all dollars and $5, and somebody put $20 in. Wow. So it took us like a couple days to undo Un- all undo this money all, yeah. account. So it, it was just a, a great success. And then we formed a corporation, and it was a nonprofit. And Stan Lane and myself, we thought we named it Eagles Fly for Leukemia. Hmm. And we start. and what was great was there were a lot of important pieces of people that were in Philadelphia. For example, you would never have an owner that would do this Mm -hmm. and and pass the hat at a football game. Second thing is you you had NFL films stationed in Philadelphia, so they filmed it all. Mm. Okay? And not only that, NFL films helped because we were trying to finish off the hematology wing so they took players like we had this wide receiver, Harold Carmichael, six foot eight, and they would show him in a game, catch the ball, and then spike it in the end zone. And then they would show his face, and he goes, "Let's spike out leukemia." Wow! And then we had a middle linebacker named Bill Berge that was all pro, hmm. and they would show him in a game of NFL films because they filmed it all, just crushing some defensive guy or offensive uh, running back, and then they would show his face. And he said, let's crush out leukemia. And so NFL Films helped us, plus they videotaped it. And as houses went on, they videotaped that too. So there's a whole story behind the video. And then John Facenda, who was the voice of the NFL, he was a newsman with the local TV station. Hmm. He had, In fact, they have the John Facenda Award because he had this rich voice. And, you know, he talked about the NFL and, you know, the ice bowl and the tundra. And so another key person was Ed Renzi. Ed Renzi was the same age as me at that time. We were only 26 years old. But he became the regional manager of McDonald's in Philadelphia. Okay. So he he heard about Eagles Fly for Leukemia. We're trying to raise money. And it was a little bit like the movie Rocky. Everybody was getting into it. It was on TV and everything was happening. And, and so what happened was uh, Ed Rinsby wanted to get involved, and they wanted to get a, a promotion with the NFL anyway. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to have this green shake on St. Patrick's Day hmm. for the whole Delaware Valley. because in All Phila- the McDonald's. Yeah, in Philadelphia, y- you have Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, you know, 
but Delaware is hooked right next to you, and so is New Jersey. So they call it the Delaware Valley, but it's actually three states. Hmm. And so all the McDonald's in those three states, they had the green shake on St. Patrick's Day, and they looked at the list, and they said, okay, we will, if you'll let us have a promotion, we, we want Roman Gabriel, a picture of him, and we'll put it in every restaurant. Bill Berger, your middle linebacker, we'll put it in every restaurant, and we'll have a promotion with you, and we will buy that house that she wants, Dr. Audrey Evans, under one condition. And they said, what's that? And he said, you let us call the Ronald McDonald House. Wow. And it was just a little six-bedroom house in South Jersey on Spruce Street, Hmm. very small And what was amazing is you have a house manager. So the very first house manager was Judy Bloor. So you can imagine it's a row house. They're all hooked together. There's only six bedrooms. And she lived in that house for many, many years and raised all of her kids in that house and took care of the families that came in. Fred, you know everybody's name. I cannot believe how many people's names you have like locked in your mind. This is amazing. Well... I've been doing this for 44 years with Fran, sure. my wife. And you know what makes us feel good is the people that volunteer and work at Ronald Houses are the nicest people in the world. Hmm. And, you, you, you know, it just makes you feel good around them. Mm-hmm. And they're just helping these parents. And Fran really relates to it because she went through this tragedy. Right. And what was unfortunate, Kim was in remission the entire time, hmm. but, but they felt that they needed to do radiation of the brain because they didn't know if it was getting to the brain stem. Hmm. So they did this radiation, and 20 years later, the kids are coming down with brain tumors, hmm. and that's what happened to Kim. And so, but before that happened, that was like 20 years later. She used to go with me because McDonald's Corp. I was selling medical supplies here in Southern California with American Hospital. But uh, we opened up the L.A. house. Uh, It was kind of neat because all the first houses revolved around the National Football League. Hmm. So you had the Philadelphia Eagles first house. Mm -hmm. That was 1974. Hmm. And then 1977 was the Chicago house. That was the second house. And that was with, you know... um, it, it, it was with uh, George Hallis of the Chicago Bears okay. and Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. Wow. That was the key house. Okay. And then the Denver and Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Washington Redskins, the Los Angeles Rams. So when they did the groundbreaking in 1979, Kim was with all these Ram players and she broke ground. And then in 1980, when it opened, Kim actually cut the ribbon with oh, Ronald awesome. and opened the Los Angeles Ronald McDonald House. That's awesome. But what happened was McDonald's called and said, you know, we're having trouble at Duke University, you know, promoting the Ronald House that they're building there. Okay. Would you and Kim come to, to, to Duke in North Carolina and help us promote the house? What year was this? Boy, I, I'm not sure. My wife's right here. So I don't remember everything. Sure, no worries, no worries. <laughs> but anyway, so so I almost said, no, how can I help? I can't, there's no, what, what, what can I do? So I took Kim. She was just a little teenager. 
and we flew to North Carolina and we went to the three major cities there. And it kind of worked out because we would go to like a, a radio station and they said, hey, we have Kim Hill here from Southern California, and she was the inspiration for the first house. Would you like to interview her? Because we're opening up the Duke House in a couple yeah, days. Everybody said, of course. And so then we went to the TV stations, and then we went to all the newspapers, and then we flew home. I don't even know if I was there for the opening, but anyway, it was all over the news and everything. And so, you know, another few months went by, and they said, would you and Kim go to the Tucson house? And then the Milwaukee house, and then the Fresno house, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, Kim had school and everything, and Fran had the other kids, and she was working. She was a school teacher, and I was working 50 hours a week on my job, but most of them were on the weekend, so I started going hmm. and to five-year reunions and then 10-year reunions, and it, it, it just kept going, and I did that for like 13 years. And then uh, McDonald's had us ride on the float in the Rose Parade. Oh, that's awesome. And the operators talked me into trying to apply for a McDonald's. And so today, I, I am actually an owner-operator with McDonald's. Wow. How many locations do you have? I have three. And okay. they're all in Rancho Mission Viejo country, okay. Mission uh-huh. Viejo, uh, Ladera Ranch, and Rancho Santa Southern Margarita. Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Take me, Fred, first of all, thank you for walking us through that journey. It's Amazing. Um, take us back to that first home in Philadelphia. What was that like to see that home open and families begin to stay there? You know, that was 1974. And Fran and I, actually, Kim was in remission. And so we finally decided to come back home. But all the players, they had players there and they opened the house. But it, it was very small. But it helped out, very, very small, too small, uh, six bedrooms, you can imagine. And um, so that house is no longer a Ronald McDonald house. Uh, And Judy Bloor, what an amazing woman, the first manager. And so what they did, they found another house, and it was much larger. And we were there for the opening of that house, too. Uh, In fact, in the video, it said it did a complete, you know, 360, and now they're back, and and they open up the the second house, which a lot of people think was the first house. And it's kind of unique because it was a 100-year-old mansion. And the person that built it, he had, on the cornerstones of the building, he had faces of his kids. And in it was all mahogany, which was kept in perfect condition. And when you come down the banister at the end of the banister rail was carved, hit the face of their children. (laughs) And so this was a much bigger house. But you know what's happening with all these houses? They outgrow them and they're all full. So they have to keep adding on, adding on, adding on. And uh, a lot of people don't realize this. These houses aren't owned by McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Now, McDonald's oversees the houses, and they want to make sure that they're run perfect because their name is on it. But they provide about 15% of the money. So 85% of the money has to be raised. And any kind of fundraiser you can think of. You know, now this house, and I'm talking about the Orange County house, is only 20 bedrooms. There's houses that are huge. The Stanford house, for example, is 125 bedrooms. But the largest in the world is the Columbus house, which is right by Ohio State University. 
it's 137 bedrooms and they're adding 80 more Hmm. because they're full. And we have the same problem here. Our house is full. Fortunate enough for this house, they bought the lot right next door, which is a parking lot. And they're going to add 24 more bedrooms. But um, it's going to be 12 to $14 million. Mm. So how do they make the money? They do it with fundraisers. Now, we have a big walk for kids, mm-hmm. and it's coming up April 7th. And we'll have between 3,500 to 4,000 walkers. Mm. And, and it, it's our largest fundraiser. Actually, we do the walk for all of our houses. And a lot of people don't realize this. We have six houses here all under one umbrella. We have the L.A. house, which was the first house. Mm-hmm. Then we had the Orange County, which was the second. Then we had Loma Linda, which was the third. And then we had the Pasadena house, the Long Beach house, and the Bakersfield's house. But we also have a camp. It's so camp. Just, as a, just as a side yeah. note, so people understand, each home is, separate, is a separate entity. Is that correct? A separate well, in different places they are, but we put it all under the same umbrella. In Southern California. Yeah, because we have the camp, mm-hmm. 60 acres in Idlewild, and then we have two family rooms, McDonald family rooms, one at Chalk and one at Mission. So a ch- Children's Orange County. And these are all Orange under County. the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. So, so we have different types of fundraisers. Now, the, the, the Ronald room at Mission... A mom could nurse her her baby there. It was premature. She's probably exhausted. She's tired. She's hungry. She can go down the end of the hall. She can sleep. She can get food and and, and then go back and see her baby. So it basically does the same thing, but it's even closer. It's right in the hospital. That's amazing. There's only two in in Southern California, but there's over 100 hospitals that have Ronald rooms. Okay. Okay. So, So fundraisers. The people here pay $10 if they can afford it a night. A family does. Yeah. How long can they stay? They they can stay as long as it's needed. Okay. And the people that qualify, um, it kind of is seniority a little bit. Okay. If you have a two and three and four year old, they probably, if there's room, they would probably get the room first rather than an 18 year old because, you know, he, he's more mature and stuff where the little ones really need it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they don't turn anybody away. So at this house, since it's, you know, over a hundred percent occupied, they send them to hotels. Mm-hmm. So last year they spent $90,000 on hotels. Mm-hmm. So they have to raise, you're running a hotel and you're getting very little money from the customer. So, so what you have to do is, Every kind of fundraiser you can think of. Now, when I said we have all these under the same umbrella, so McDonald's Corp, say we have a big golf tournament. So the big golf tournament would be for all six houses, Mm -hmm. the two family rooms, and the camp. But then each individual house has to have their own fundraisers. Mm. Now, we have a person, um, his name is Vince Bryson, Mm -hmm. and he is the CEO of all six houses. All for Southern California. Yeah, under our umbrella. Okay. But each house has their own house manager, Mm -hmm. and Noel is here, and he he is fantastic. But um, thinking fundraisers, okay, what kind of fundraisers? Well, back east, they had a quilting club, and they made quilts for all the raw houses. Okay. And then they took pictures of the quilts, came out with a book, how they made them, sold the books, gave the money to the Ronald House. Wow. There's been rodeos. 
There's been bass fishing tournaments. There's golf tournaments all over the place. We have a golf tournament. We have a walk here. And this walk for kids is tremendous. But it's not only here. We'll have a walk at Los Angeles, Long Beach, Loma Linda, sure, sure. all on the same day. Okay. Now, our walk, just for, but they're only for, our walk is for our house. Right. And, and it was, we raised over 300000 last year wow. on our walk. Wow. And we formed teams. And our team was Team Kim Hill. And we're the Eagles. We have green and white T-shirts with 86 on the back because that was my number. Nice. And I'm proud that last year we raised more money than any other team. Oh, and so that's our little great. team, we raised 32000 Wow. But we're going to have a hard time trying to beat that record. Sure, sure, sure. Before we continue the conversation, I want to ask you for a quick favor. Will you subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on the iTunes podcast app on your phone? Now, it's also available wherever you listen to podcasts. All you have to do is search for Inspiration Rising. Click subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Why? So you won't miss a single inspiring episode. We search for the most inspiring guests to help you rise up in your life, love, and leadership. And you don't want to miss out. So subscribe and then leave a quick review. Click some stars preferably five, and leave a sentence telling me what you enjoyed the most. All right, let's jump back in to the conversation. You call these Ronald McDonald houses, and there is a front door. But when I walked in, this is my first time ever visiting a Ronald McDonald house. It is a, it's a hotel. I mean, it feels like a really, really nice, homey hotel. Like it's, it feels like a home, but it is... It's a big place. Like, I've always thought Ronald McDonald House, small house. These places are huge. Well, this is very small. This I is know, only 20 this bedrooms. This is a small one. Yeah. And you know what? They're all different. And to give you an idea, there's 366 Ronald Houses and almost going on 50 countries all over the world. Uh, we've only been to three other countries. Uh, we went to two of the houses in Canada. We went to about five or six houses in Germany. Uh, actually, Germany now has 21, but at that time, they were opening up their 18th house, and it was in Berlin. And then we went to the Netherlands, and McDonald's asked us to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the Netherlands because uh, Amsterdam was the very first house in Europe, and they, they had their 30th anniversary. Remember I told you I'd go to five-year anniversaries, 10-year, 15? Right. And so we went to Amsterdam, and there's 15 Ronald houses in the Netherlands. We also went to Rome. And that was kind of neat because they have a room. We went to two of the houses in Rome, but one of them was on the Mediterranean. And they have um, a room there, and they call call it the Pope Paul room. Because years ago, he used to go there to swim. And that was it's a very humble room. It's a little dinky bed and one little desk. And they have a picture on the front of Pope Paul holding a little child and then our little logo next to it. Oh, that's fine. So, and they just keep, no one goes into that room. Okay. But every all the other rooms are for the wrong house. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So um, when somebody goes to a Ronald McDonald house to stay, they contact the, the local home. Well, they... What's the process? The process is that they take in people from all the surrounding hospitals here. Not only Chalk, but, but there's other children's hospitals around. Mm-hmm. And usually they have a social worker, 
and they try to get them into the wrong house. When Fran and I were young, there were no social workers or no one mm-hmm. to help you. We, we, we had about a 45-minute drive every single day to the hospital. Uh, but a lot of people, they come from 100 miles away. Right, right. So there's no place at all. So usually... Um, hospital refers them. The hospital refers them. The, the social worker will help. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they call over and they try to get enough room and... If they can't, they'll arrange it at one of the hotels. Hopefully, there's not a big event going on where all the hotels are full. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's one of the problems. One of the things you mentioned was that you know there aren't a lot of kids around because the kids are actually in the hospital. There might be siblings here. Well, you know, sometimes it's a little bit different than that. Like, for example, Kim. Uh, a lot of cancer patients... It, it, you can go home every day. Okay. So if it's a cancer patient, um, they, they can come and stay with their mom and dad right gotcha, here. Gotcha, gotcha. And then go over and get all their treatment and then come back. Okay. So you have some kids that stay here, and then there's some that are so sick that mm-hmm. they're in the hospital. But you can, you can imagine, just think, and I know that you have a lot of moms out there that listen to your program. Just imagine you're devastated. You find out that your daughter or son has a, a terrible disease mm-hmm. and they could pass away at any time. Say you're a hundred miles from the hospital. You don't know where to stay. You don't know where to get food. You're exhausted. You're worried. You're depressed. And what this house does, it takes those worries away from you. Mm. You don't have to about worry about where you're going to stay because you can stay right here. You don't have to worry about food because we have 800 volunteers in this little 20-bedroom house. They come and make breakfast, you know, different restaurants. They'll come with the, all their chefs, you know, about four or five of them, and they'll make dinner for all the people at night. And they sign up like eight months in advance. So they provide breakfast, they lunch, dinner. They have all kinds of, of refrigerators there where you can put your food if you have special food that you need. And what they try to do is get that mom into the kitchen and in the dining room area with other moms that are going through the same thing because it really helps to be able to mm, talk to another mom yeah. that has the same type of problem. Right. And, and so you have a little bit of social thing going there. You can talk about your kid, talk about it, rather than being in a room all by yourself at a hotel. Right. So, so, so if you need a ride, the hospital's right down the street here. It's just like a block away. But say you need it, right? We got volunteers. We'll take you over. So you don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about a place to stay. You don't have to worry about the cost. And, and it just keeps the family together. And my wife always says, a little kid, the most important thing is that his, her mom and dad is right there with them. And they're proving this now that they're finding out that the healing rate and everything else when you have that close family right there going through the entire thing, uh, it, it really helps the child. That's amazing. I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me the community aspect of the home. You know, it's not only a, a safe haven in the evenings or daytime for the family, but the opportunity for those families to connect with one another, that's huge in and of itself. I'll give you a perfect example. When we were... It's kind of funny because we opened up the L.A. house. We opened up the Orange County house. And all of a sudden, Kim came down with a brain tumor the size of a softball. So what year can, was this? Fran, do you know what year? 91. 91. March of 91. She was working at McDonald's. 
And she was having a hard time counting the money. So we got a, a CAT scan at Mission Hospital. And they said, oh, my God, she's got a two, two of them, one the size of a softball on the side of her head, one the size of a golf ball on the front of her head. So they're going to have to take half her skull off, take these things out. We didn't know where to have the operation. We didn't know what, what surgeon we could use. You know, we, we were just, and then we finally decided we were going to do it here at St. Joe's. And we got the surgeon, and Kim says, do you think we could stay at the Orange County house? So now, 20 years later, we're, we're staying at the house that she helped open. Okay, so Fran is a school teacher, okay? And she also had all these mother helpers, and she taught kindergarten. So she's in the house, and one of her mother helpers and the daughter that Fran taught as a kindergartner, she was going through a horrible thing, and she had to go through kind of a stem cell replacement. You know, and her brother was, I guess it was a bone marrow transplant, where her brother, who also, I don't know if he was in her class or not, but same mom. And so here are these two moms, Fran and this mother helper that helped out in her class, hmm. they, they were together for that whole week because we, we were shattered. Can you imagine your daughter's going to have half her skull removed? Hmm. Unfortunately, it came back the next year. And so this time um, we stayed at the L.A. Ronald McDonald House, which she opened, and then it came back again. So we had two stays at the L.A. House, uh, and it, it was very difficult. She passed away. Uh, eight years ago, and it was it was very hard. And you went through a lot with her, so many medical issues. Well, it was so hard, uh, especially on my wife. I don't know how she did it. Hmm. She took a leave of absence because she loved teaching, and she took a leave of absence. And it took twenty years before she passed away, and she lost the use of her legs and her arms, and she went blind, and she gained like a hundred pounds. But you know what? My wife was right there with her all the time, and and it really helped. And Kim was not really depressed. She always thought she'd get better. Hmm. And uh, I think it was so comforting for my wife to be right next to her. And I know there was a, she had a strong faith. Yeah, and it really strong faith. And uh, we had a after a certain while she was. Uh, having a lot of seizures and stuff. So several years later, we actually had to put her in a nursing home. But Fran was there every day. We, we, we got a, a handicapped van, and she wanted to go to Saddleback Church every Sunday. And at that time, she could see, so we took her to movies, took her out to eat. I, I'll never forget, she always wanted Starbucks coffee, and she wanted, like, four Splenda. And I said, nobody has four Splenda. So I would put two of them in, and then she would sip it and said, nope, you didn't put enough Splenda You're in tricking it. me. <laughs> and, I, you know, she would know, but she, she loved going to Saddleback Church, and uh, we did that for many, many years. That's awesome. And what a legacy she has. She what felt really legacy. good about that because when she was at Capitol Valley High School, NBC Today wanted to do a special on our family. And she was just a little teenager, and she was in the choir there. And we were going to open up the Fresno Ronald McDonald House. And so they came, and the school was, like, really surprised because all of a sudden NBC Today is coming to Capitol Valley High School, and the girls' choir uh, she was in was called Tapestry, and it was about 20 girls. And they, they, they were really good. You know, they could really sing. So it starts off 
with Kim singing at Capitol Valley High School. Then they came to our house, and Kim loved to ride horses. So we had a, we bought a house on a dirt road in San Juan Capistrano, and Kim had a horse. So she, they showed her riding her horse, and they said, that's not the only thing Kim does. And then it showed her going to the Fresno Ronald McDonald House. And they interviewed her there, and they used this a lot. Uh, she said, you know, I didn't enjoy being sick, but in a way I'm kind of glad I did get sick because through all my suffering, a great thing came from it. And she was so proud of that video. She used to show it to everybody. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's an amazing, amazing legacy. Yeah, McDonald's had an ad slick there for a while. It started with one, and that was Kim. Yeah. And then they had another ad slick, and they said, this house was built by a three-year-old girl. Hmm. And uh, so she was uh, definitely the inspiration for the first house. Yeah. Well, I want us to, to wrap up with kind of a, a, an opportunity for people to take action. You know, I always say you can't do everything, but you can do something. And so what are the ways that people can get involved in the Ronald McDonald houses in their areas? There's over 300, like you said, around the world. And so how can people help out? Well, they always need volunteers, and, and that really helps out. And you know, it's kind of a social thing, uh, and we see it all over the world, actually. They get to meet other people that do the same thing, and volunteers are the nicest people because they do it not to get anything in return except trying to help somebody, and that gives them a good feeling. So then they're around a whole bunch of people like that, and so it, it, they become friends, and they help the house, and there's just a number of things that they can do at the house. So volunteerism is really important. But you got to remember, they got to raise 85% of all the money. Uh, and so there's all kinds of fundraisers. If there's any golfers out there, we have the golf tournaments. They can help out with this walk. And this year, and I hope it comes true because I've been telling everybody, I'm going to try to get the USC marching band to lead us off. Wow. And not the entire band, but I think there's about 20 of them, but it sounds like the entire band. I haven't got it all the way yet, but it, it supposedly this guy said it's going to be 99% sure that this is going to happen. And that would be great if I could do that. I've been trying to do that for years. But, you know, the angels have really helped us out. And Mike Sosha, for the last three years, he's handed out all the prizes and stuff that, that, that go on, and he's kind of let us off. And then he always has a game that day. But he's gone now, you know, because uh, uh, after 19 years, he's no longer the angel manager. But, but we do get help from outside organizations, too. And, for example, Tempur-Pedic, the bed company, mm -hmm. they provide all the beds at no charge for all the houses of the world. Wow. Okay, uh, Lazy Boy. Furniture, They provide the furniture for all the houses. AD Pi, the sorority, many years ago, since the almost, you know, probably 40 years, uh, they chose the Ronald McDonald House as their philanthropy. Hmm. And then Coca-Cola and some of the other ones. So we do get help that way. Mm -hmm. We have great operators. Mm -hmm. you, you know, they're, they're going to be selling the rooms off at 50000 
if you want your plaque on the door that you provide the money for this room. Mm -hmm. And these Southern Cal operators are all trying to buy all the rooms up. Yeah. And, and so that really helps too. But, but there's a tremendous amount of money that has to be raised because with our 20-bedroom house, the budget's over $2 million. So now we're going to have more than doubled the size of it. So sure. we're, we're talking about 3 or $4 million and McDonald's provides 15%. Mm -hmm. so, so we really need help. And there's many, many fundraisers. You, you, you can, well, they advertise it at the, at the houses, but the word gets around too. Mm -hmm. I, th I saw uh, a beautiful opportunity I saw on the website was for a child to turn their birthday into a fundraiser. Yeah. You know, for be, to be able to, you know, take up a collection or, you know, um, in some way, um, create awareness of the Ronald McDonald House for their birthday. Kids always like to get involved. I think one of the things that I want to draw people's attention back to is the volunteerism because they can come in either as an individual and volunteer or they can bring their group and make a meal or right. bake, bake, bake goods, right. um, some light housekeeping even. Yes. Um, in fact, in the Columbus House, which is that huge house, it was immaculate. And they have four guys that volunteer and clean that entire place. So, so, so that was amazing. But yeah, um, say they need rides over to the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have a van here, uh, but that helps too. So, I mean, there, there's many things that are needed at the house. And, and to volunteer it would be great. Plus, they would meet all these other nice volunteers. Which you say are the nicest people in the world. They are. And some of them, you know... It, it, it's so funny because they treat my wife like a queen. We went over to Germany and we went to their house and they couldn't wait till we got there. And they brought all their volunteers and everybody sat down. And, you know, they have all kinds of breads over there and everything. They were giving us all kinds of food and stuff. And they just wanted to talk to Fran. They have a worldwide convention every two years and over a thousand people show up. McDonald's puts it on. It's in Chicago. And uh, th they have classes on how to handle deaths in the house, how to get volunteers, how to fundraise, all the things that are needed. And so all the house managers, uh, you, you know, and CEOs of the different groups, uh, they all come and gather. And it's so much fun for us because they're from all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, China, you know, every place. And so since Kim died, you know, eight years ago, for that last eight years, uh, but it's every two years, we give out the Kim Hill Award to the Outstanding Ronald McDonald House. And you know who won it first? Taiwan. Second was, I'm asking my wife here, because I, uh, Turkey. The next two years later, Taiwan again. There's two houses in Taiwan. And this last year, uh, Toronto in Canada. So, we haven't given it to a house in the United States yet, but it's kind of fun for us because uh, this last year, the Toronto house, uh, McDonald's gave him $50,000 for winning. And then there were 10 or nine runner-ups. They picked 10. And then the people vote on who would win. And so they doubled the amount last year. And I think each of those houses got $20,000. McDonald's is tremendous and they help out so much. But we got the greatest operators right here in Southern California. And operators is a term for those who McDonald's own, operators. Yeah, those who own a McDonald's. Yeah, and, and basically, they put on most of the fundraisers. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, we had a, a woman, Patty Whittacombe, and her mom when she was still alive. Uh, they had this big high tea for many years, and uh, it, it got all the women together and few guys. 
but uh, they did the high tea and raised lots of money. The golf tournaments, they always get involved in that and help out. So, so they get their wives and the operators, and, they re- and they're on the board, and some of them are on our board, and they really help in Southern California. Fred, I've got a very serious question to ask you. Okay. As an operator of three McDonald's, I grew up in the 70s. I had multiple birthdays at McDonald's. With Ronald McDonald showing up, what has happened to this tradition? I see no birthday parties at McDonald's. I see no Ronald McDonald ever. Like, what's going on, Fred? You you know, I was sad about that, too. Uh, They let a lot of the Ronalds go. Now, for special events, every once in a while, you'll you'll see a Ronald McDonald. Um, I'm surprised at that, and I think a lot of McDonald operators are, too. And and I'm not sure. As far as birthday parties... It, it's hard to put on a birthday party uh, <laughs> because we, we are so busy. You, you, you know, our average check is very small. Right. So, so, so to give you an idea, one transaction could be a family of four. That's one transaction. Sure. Each one of my stores does over 500,000 transactions. Per? Year. Okay. So you're talking 1.5 million transactions. Yeah. Uh, so... We don't have really the room to do a birthday party, <laughs> but some of them still do, and that's really? still a possibility. And and I'm thinking about doing it at my Ladera Ranch store. We're, we're, we're going to totally remodel it, and I have this huge playland. Okay. And I'm putting in a, a special table there and many, many games. And so we will probably do the birthday parties. And they have take-home birthday parties. Really? Where, where you could basically come... And get inexpensive food and the games and the Happy Meal toys and stuff. Sure. And take it home and then have the party at your house. Oh, okay. But it's up to each individual operator. So you have some that still do the parties. So okay. it's not like we're excluding parties. It's just gotcha. up to the operator. All right. And so I'll probably do it at Ladera. But getting back to your question on Ronald, I've seen Ronald a couple of times. Do you think it's because culturally people are more scared of clowns these days? Well, you, you know what? The, the Internet, in some ways, is really good, but in a lot of ways, it's bad. <laughs> and there's a lot of bad things on the Internet, especially with clowns. Right, right. So I think that had a big reason why they started doing it. And, and they make up stuff about Ronald McDonald oh. that are not even accurate, and they show these horrible things on the Internet. Oh, okay. So maybe that's why they kind of transitioned out of it. But I like Ronald. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. You should get a permanent Ronald. Like you just have a full time Ronald rotate from store to store to store. You're three stores. Well, the highest award you can get with, with, with McDonald's is the Ronald McDonald Award. Okay. And it, it, it's it's an outstanding, you know, just few operators get it, and they only give one out per year per uh, region. And uh, so it's still the Ronald McDonald Award. That's good. And it's still the Ronald McDonald House. That's right. That's right. Fred, thank you so much for sharing your story and your daughter and your life with us. I'm inspired. I really am. I, uh, my grandmother, when she was alive, she loved Ronald McDonald houses. And I think it's because of Ray Kroc and the San Diego Padres. He owned um, the San Diego Padres. Yeah, so she was a big fan of the San Diego Padres. And so uh, on multiple occasions, I bought 
um, you know, or I donated money to Ronald McDonald House in her name for a birthday or something for yeah. her. And uh, so that's that's the you know the connection that I have for Ronald McDonald but it, House. But it's an honor to meet you, total honor to meet you, and it's an honor to be in this home. This is amazing. So I really am excited for people to learn more about it. Well, let me tell you about Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc always said to his operators, "You need to give back to the community that is so good to you," and that was his philosophy. And when he passed away, Joan Kroc took over that. Mm-hmm. Now, some people out there saw the founder and they didn't make Ray look too good on the founder, but this guy was incredible. And to give you an idea, he made millions of dollars. And Mrs. Croc was the biggest donor to the Ronald McDonald House. Many years ago, there was 127 Ronald McDonald Houses in the United States. And they, the Texas houses, they got 12 houses in Texas right away. So they had their own convention. And it was at Corpus Christi, Texas, which was a very small house. And they got this letter from Mrs. Croc. Because what, what was happening, she found out that the houses in the United States were having trouble with their op supplies. So she gave every house... What does op supplies mean? Well, you, you know, you're cleaning and your op supplies and okay. just to take care of your house. Okay operational supplies. She gave every house in the United States 500000 in stock under two conditions. You don't tell anybody because if you felt you just got 500000 it might hurt your fundraising. And two, you, you, you can sell the stock, but you need to leave it in an interest-bearing account and use that to help out. So that was, without McDonald's knowing it, $65 million she just gave away overnight. Beyond that, she was the biggest donor ever to the Ronald McDonald House. If you've been inspired or learned something from this episode, do yourself a favor and tell a friend. By sharing a learning with someone else, you'll actually be solidifying it in your own mind and heart and more likely to implement it in your own life. Tell them about our conversation and let them know that they can listen to the Inspiration Rising podcast on the iTunes podcast app on their phone. Check out our website at www.insporising.com. That's I-N-S-P-O rising.com and on all social media platforms as Inspo Rising. Now, as you go out about your day, may you be inspired to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. I'll talk to you next time.